Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is our 16th episode. Yes. So I don't know if that we get like a some sort of party for that or anything. No. Last, 20. Last week was our quinceanera. Oh. Well, this is Sweet 16. Ago. This is Sweet 16. There you go. There we go. We get a um, convertible? That's a thing, right? I've never known anyone who got a convertible for their Sweet 16. I don't even know anybody who's... I don't think I know anybody who's gotten anything for being 16. because I don't know anybody in a John Landis film. John Landis or, or John Hughes? Ouch. I petarded myself. <laughs> well, I thought we were on a good roll. <laughs> then, then, okay, never mind. <laughs> I won't correct you the rest of the time. John Hughes, John Landis, they're all the same. Yeah, I remember my favorite uh, John Landis Sweet 16 was in American Werewolf in London when they uh, they get a, a convertible and then they drive it through the porn theater where the corpse is talking to him. I think you need to see that movie again. <laughs> that happens in American World in London. My, my favorite John Landis is Twilight Zone, the movie, when he made a convertible out of Vic Morrow and those two children. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably cut that no, no, I, that has to stay because... I'll just want to. I have to correct you now, and say, usually convertibles convert back. Oh, right. <laughs> that's that's why they're called that. Those those people look, didn't go back. Look at your face. I had no idea how bad that was until I saw the look on your face. <laughs> Holy shit! I really never expected that to be in this podcast. Fuck. Um, hey, if anybody who's listening doesn't know what he's talking about, Google it. <laughs> okay, weird. Um, well, uh, welcome to Death Readers. Um, uh, uh, this is like episode times. episode four, I think, or three. This episode, is technically episode. I thought it was four. This is episode four. Yeah, yeah. This is episode four of. We should really know this. Um, episode four of our. Prisoner of Azkaban, Harry Potter uh, read through. So we're yeah. going to be in this in this episode going through chapters 10, 11, and twelve. There you go. Um, so chapter ten, the Marauders map. The Marauders map. I don't really have any more housekeeping to do before we get launching into that. So I uh, just like to say that ahead of time, so if anybody is listening, they know that. Like right now, we're jumping right in chapter ten. Uh, I got one eighty four. What do you got? One eighty three. Go for it. Hagrid sent Harry a bunch of earwiggy flowers. Fuck you, Hagrid. What are earwiggy flowers? Oh, what are earwiggy? They're full of earwigs. Oh, is that what that bug was? Yeah, I made a sketch. Death pincers they have. They have death pincers. Why do bugs have pincers on their butts? Why do these bugs... Thorax. These, these bugs have pincers on their butt, so they can burrow into your ear canal. Backwards? Sure. I'm just trying to understand they, why. They want, they're backing up. They're doing their little bug... Most, but it feels like I feel like most into your brain. I feel like most bugs have pincers in the front so that they can, because they're looking that direction, like so they can get what they need. And it, it feels well, yeah, like they're bugs. Do you don't know where their eyes are? I do mostly can see where their well, I mean, eyes are. I mean, what grasshoppers have ears on their knees? I don't think that's true. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> it is true. Okay, but that is okay. I don't know if it is though. <laughs> like my point is, earwigs are terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made a sketch. You did make a sketch. So so are you implying that Hagrid 
Is this are you think Hagrid's being malicious, or is this just another way of Hagrid being cutesy, not really understanding I how horrible things are? Look at these flowers, and these things are crawling all over them. Is that how they're described? A bunch of earwiggy flowers. That's all he said. I looked up earwiggy to make sure it didn't mean anything else, and it meant full of earwigs. And I looked up earwigs, and they were the fucking demon monsters that I remember them to be. Oh, so like if I if I if you get somebody like silverfish flowers and they're just covered in silverfish. Yeah, yeah. that's gross too. But they're not earwigs, man. Silverfish are pretty bad. So that's a real bug. Yeah. You oh, ever I saw an earwig. No. Oh no. I've never but had they, any but... in my ears. And it just you know takes me back to Wrath of Khan. That's why I have that. That's why you were at Wrath of Khan because, because the it was like the ear slug. Yeah. Chekhov. With, with Chekhov. I mean, I mean, you see that at seven and it bugs you. And you see there's a bug called an earwig that's like a cockroach, except it has death pincers and it can flatten itself. So you make a good point. Doors. You make a good point. If the earwig lives in the ear, where does the cockroach live? <laughs> in the roach. <laughs> that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, I know it is. It's not what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of gross bugs. There are but a lot of I gross get it. Bugs. I, I didn't I didn't understand that. I didn't actually notice that that was a thing that Hagrid did. I, my guess is again, it's like Hagrid's thing of being like, oh, I have a like Fluffy's not a problem. Right. <laughs> who would be afraid of Fluffy? Or or Aragog, who he's totally fine. He's docile. No one has any issues I with mean, him. I mean, Hagrid doesn't seem like he's just gonna just grab flowers and be like, here. No, he's it, more it, thoughtful. So he sent Harry earwigs. Right. And earwigs don't. I mean, it's a misnomer. They don't really get in your ears. Except anecdotally. Um, or not, not anecdotally or uh, antidotally. Go ahead. Fuck up your mockery of me. Antidotally? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You fucked it up, and then you fucked up me fucking it up. I didn't fuck up. You, you did fuck it up. up. Nope. Was, you fucked it up on your own. You brought that to the party. We made this bit airtight. We <laughs> fucked it up together. Perhaps. Look, all I'm saying... I also have a note about my sketch. About your... Oh, okay. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <clears throat> Those are antennas, not laser beams. I'm not the best drawer. Where? Which ones are... Oh, okay. Yeah. They don't even look like laser beams. Looking that's fine. a pretty good sketch, man. I mean, if what, you... That's nasty. I mean, did you do that from looking at an image online? Yeah. Okay, so, but, like... That wasn't... That, that's not a life sketch. That's what I was going to say, though. If you did a life sketch, like, oh. it would be pretty good. Like, I'd be pretty happy if this was your... If your start of life sketching... Well. If you if you were, like, let's say, an amateur naturalist, okay. then I would say, hey, man, mm. do you want to go out and find some bugs and sketch them together? Because I think you got a good start. I should have sharpened my pencil. That's all I'm saying. I don't think you needed to. I mean, you don't want a too sharp a pencil. You don't want to pierce the page. You really want to make sure that you're... And keep in mind, you're, you're out at sea. You're on a voyage trying to discover these new things and document them. You're, you know, you're stellar. You're Darwin. Like Darwin, yeah. You're Darwin. out there trying. You don't want to. You don't want to waste <laughs> any of your lead in your pencil by over sharpening. So you're gonna. You're pretty much all your sketches are gonna be done on rounded edges because you don't have infinite pencils at sea. It's it's for science. You sharpen your pencil. No, it's it's also okay. Well, here how this. Okay. You run out of you run out of lead. You find a new bug. Now what do you do? Oh, you have such nice, sharp sketches of these other bugs, but you can't sketch this one because you ran out of lead. You sharpen a stick. A stick made of what? Stick. It's, it's stick, stupid stick. Because it's Jurassic Park. Oh. Still, I'm not. Stick, stupid Scene stick. Scene uh, where Dennis Nedry has the, the oh, lobsters and he's stick. playing fetch with it. Stick, stick, stupid stick. No wonder you went extinct. Yeah. This is... You sharpen stick. I think at this point it feels clear that we haven't done this in a week. 
<laughs> you sharpen the stick. You mash up some bugs, and you draw the bug out of bug mashings. That's not going to keep. That's going to rot. How long are you at sea? Years? You think that's not going to stick to the other page and like just peel off the rip? I would hang up all my bug mashing drawings. And they're not going to get wet from sea foam? No, I'm going to get my cabin. You just get a cabin now. I'm a scientist. I paid for the voyage. I got a cabin. I don't know if you get a cabin. I don't know I how don't many cabins these scienced. ships have. You know how rich these fucking scientists are, man. Yeah, that's something that's well documented. Is scientists are just rolling in the dough, not debt and <laughs> like grant applications. That's what big it's, science it's, wants you to think. Oh yeah, that's yeah. There's certainly an element of big science out there. I don't like there. how I suddenly become the anti-science one on this podcast. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> there doesn't need to be. It's okay. <laughs> there doesn't need to be a single anti-scientist. We can both look at the way that money has poorly influenced modern day science and criticize it. But that has nothing to do with Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, I have another 183. <laughs> okay, what's your... I still want to say you did a good bug drawing even though I didn't see the lasers. I don't think those look like lasers. They just look like... Pew, pew, pew. Yeah. Modular antenna. What do you got next? Oh, I'm going to tell you. I want to hear it. Oh, I like the idea that Wood did blame Harry. Oh, yeah. But, I do, too. But was forced by the rest of the team to, no, Harry, it's not your fault. Yeah. I, I like Wood's character in this where he's, like, singularly focused on this <laughs> one thing and doesn't give a fuck. Like, I really like how that develops through the chapter where, like, even at the point where, like, Harry and Ron are kind of there with, like, the firebolt. And then, like, Hermione's like, you could be killed. And they're like, we hate you for a month. <laughs> 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 And then, and then they tell Wood, and they're like, can you believe it? She cared about my safety. And he's like, I'm going to go have a talk with McGonagall. <laughs> if she doesn't know how how much more important playing Quidditch with a fast broom is for us over your safety, Harry, then I'm going to explain it to her. I really like that. I, and I really like that none of them get it, even after all of it gets resolved. No, you seem... I, go ahead. It, it makes me wonder how many women have to deal with this. Because this this like setup is set up like that, where it's like these two way smarter women are like, okay, you guys are way reckless. And so we're going to step in and take control of this situation. Remove the thing you're going to hurt yourself with so you don't. And the guys are like, that's fucking bullshit. <laughs> I want to I wanna jump, like, three cars on my motocross bike. Why can't I? Why'd you take my bike? <laughs> wow. And and they're like, no, I'm not paying for another ambulance. That's like, a, they cost a lot of money. That's a profound takeaway. It felt I, like I that. I by the earwig. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's good. You've grown. I don't, I mean, I don't have a motorbike, so. Because of a woman. No, because I'm basically, I, I'm, I like to think of myself as being more feminine than masculine, and I think that that's a... I like to think of you that way, too. Me, too. That's three of us now. What are you not telling me? I don't have to tell you anything what about, about me? this. What about what? What about me? I don't know about you. So what about you? going for a fourth of us now, and you could tell him the secret you wouldn't tell me. Who? Me. Where? Right here. Oh. Are you not following when? us? What about you? Me? <laughs> I only partially followed all that. <laughs> I don't know if anyone would find that as fun as I did. It was certainly fun to go through. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I hope people enjoyed that. I'm sorry <laughs> if you didn't, and it's just a chore to listen to us. But you, I'm sorry. Anyway. Um, <laughs> okay, so you were. I was just saying, like, I I I I agree that like Wood doesn't give a fuck about Harry's safety, and he really like just really like burns for Quidditch. He's going to be really disappointed when he graduates because there's probably not much, like, access to adult Quidditch out there for people in the wizarding world. Well, 
I mean, it may be touched upon later, and I will have to wait and see. Oh, interesting. Maybe I am in the wrong. Who knows? Maybe I've there's a, there's a vast world of book out there. Maybe I discover pitched my tent on the wrong bludger. I was trying to do like pitch, like Quidditch pitch, and then like yeah, no, but pitch and, tent, and yet and, and yet like... pitching tents come into it. They do, don't they? Well, I'm not even talking about what you're talking about. Because I'm talking about the magic tents. I know you. Oh, I'm Cup. talking about that tent too. The fuck is this? <laughs> I'm talking about magic tents as well. Was that? What song was that? Oh, um. Uh, Rain of Spring? No, no. It's interlude. Inter- interlude. <laughs> my 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 soft gentle alarm is from It's an opera, right? Amadeus. Amadeus. It's called A Serenade for Winds. Mm. It's the music that starts soft. Yeah, I heard like it starts soft. Like a pulse. Oh. And then Salieri's reading it from the music. Mm-hmm. We talk about this a lot on this podcast. It's a good movie. I, I mean, one like... I gotta what? watch Amadeus. What was the one we talked about last night? I gotta rewatch. Um, My Fair Lady. Mm. Yeah, we gotta... Amadeus is way better than My Fair Lady. It's not like... That's not why I brought them up together. It's not I'm like... just saying Milos Forman is way better than whoever the fuck directed My My Fair Lady. Okay. It's Milos, not Ulosh. I thought it could be Uslosh. It could be. Maybe. We'll but here you are. Magic Tents. That's right. <laughs> the Magic Tents I'm talking about are... What I'm talking about, but I'm not talking erections? about the way you're... T- Whoa, probably. Um, but those tents are erected in more than the book you're talking about. Like, they're also erected in the theater of the mind? What What does that mean? They're not erected in... They're more erected... In... This became madness. What <laughs> your, what's your next note? <laughs> Where were we... Did you finish your thought on Wood? Erecting him his... Like, pitching his tent? Is... Yeah, I'm. 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 I've. I've finished wood. You finished your wood off. Okay. Um. Okay. Well, I. Yeah, I don't even know if I could wrap that up. No. Wood's great. <laughs> He's uh, great. Is he a senior in this? At this point, he is. This is his last year. That's right. He keeps talking about that attempt to win Quidditch House Cup or the Quidditch Cup, which is different than the House Cup. And they've. This has been the seventh year they haven't gotten it right because this would be the eighth right because says. every time harry brought all that talent to the team but something's interleaded every time so yeah. we're gryffindor to win the quidditch cup and, and have it it's how the hat says it this would be the book okay well i don't remember if that happens or not so this is going to be a surprise for me don't believe it's in the movie i believe the only time they show quidditch in the film is to show harry falling, falling off the, the broom yeah Affected by the Dementors and losing his broom. My next note is uh, 184, where Harry, in, in talking about uh, the the way the Dementors make him feel, he says that he uh, no one else hears the screams of their dying parents. Yeah. That's exactly what he says. Yeah. And I thought that, like, I have a couple issues with that. Okay. Number one... Uh, Harry is not the only student at Hogwarts whose parents have been murdered. Sure. So absolutely true. I don't know. I feel like if I'm going through the thought process of this, let's say, okay, it's not just having murdered parents that makes you hear them scream their dying screams when a Dementor is on you. It's 
possibly the fact that Harry was actually in the room, whereas I don't believe Neville was in the room when his parents were murdered. His parents weren't murdered. They weren't murdered. I got. I, I got. I, oh, I, sorry. I, I gotta. I gotta just it, because it, it's a very important plot point later. Okay. In book five, his parents are still alive. Oh, okay. My bad. I thought they were murdered. Um, they're not doing well. Someone else has been murdered, right? Some other parents. Have oh, been a lot murdered. of parents. I mean, these these this is the generation of after of, of the parents who got through the gen- generation from the who parents else who, died? who lived. Who else's parents died? Because I don't know this necessarily. <clears throat> um, necessarily. Dean Thomas's dad was a wizard who took off, so he was raised as a muggle. We don't know what happened, but we assume that his dad's been murdered. Um, I don't even know if Seamus's dad is in the picture. His mom's referenced. Um, at the moment, I'm can't. I'm not thinking of anybody, but I'm sure there are a lot of, like you said. Yeah. It would just be nice to know more, because I really... Okay, I thought Neville's parents were murdered, but I'll move on. Okay, so let's assume... That, but I, I, I totally agree right. there are the kids. Sure. So let's assume that there are other kids whose parents were actually murdered mm-hmm. at Hargreaves, and I'm sure they resent the fuck out of Harry, who gets all the attention from being the, the boy who lived. And it's like, yeah, I survived my parents, too. You're not that special. Um, but, so then it occurs to me, well, like, okay, maybe it's Harry has a memory. But then I'm like, three-month-olds don't develop memories like that. No, they don't. No, they don't. Follow me here. They okay. they don't. Okay. So it can't be that. So the last option is the same sort of tired bullshit this book keeps bringing me of like, yeah, but it's actually an imprint from how when uh, when Voldemort killed his parents and tried to kill Harry and he imprinted on him. And so actually what Harry's hearing is Voldemort's memory of his parents dying and him killing them. That's amazing. You say it's tired bullshit, but I'm like, that's never even occurred to me before. You, I mean, that... Okay, tired bullshit. It's genius. <laughs> do you do that with the basically, rest of your genius? You sit around like, oh, unlock the secrets of the universe. <laughs> Fucking tired bullshit. Yes. Quark the, and string theory. Here's time travel. Whatever. Yes, is the answer. I, I anything, any of my achievements, I, I take some pride in your work. I man. can't. I don't appreciate myself. Uh, <laughs> if I figure if I can do it, then it's worthless because I'm not special. Here we go. So if I can figure this out, it must be garbage. Um, Don't be so Harry Potter about it. <laughs> you, you have anything else on him hearing his parents? I was just trying to reread that and ch- double check if I did. Okay. The only note about like that is that I don't even know if that's right because the in at least later in this book, or in these chapters, Harry references like, oh, he hears his dad speaking and his dad's telling Lily to like take Harry away. Mm-hmm. So and that and then he hears Voldemort laughing. He doesn't he doesn't have these memories from Voldemort's perspective. So again, if that's not where he's getting these memories from, the implication is he gets them from himself, which just isn't possible. So wait, I'm confused what you're saying there. Everything <clears throat> everything that you have said he's heard, Voldemort did hear. So that... Did he? How do we know that? Because Voldemort comes in and would have heard James go, Lily, take Harry. It's, it's him. Run. Oh, oh, okay. He just heard it kind of backwards. Okay. As like more exposure, he, See, he heard, the, he heard it... the most recent thing before Voldemort tried to kill him. Right. And then he heard the thing before that, which was Lily talking. And then he heard the thing before that, which was James saying Lily run. But all that but Voldemort's walking that through her house. Then before that is Voldemort laughing, or after that. Either way, I think Voldemort's laughing, giggling. Well, through the here's, whole thing. here's my point. If, if Voldemort's in the house, yeah. is, like they're up in Harry's nursery. They're not by the front door. They are by the front door when he says, take Harry and run. Oh, they do? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I know that from just virtue of having read the seventh book. Okay. So, okay. So it could it, it could still be from Voldemort's perspective. Yeah. All right. That's still... All right. Never mind. 
I am still disappointed in myself. Uh, <laughs> but we can agree the book is perfect. Yeah, sure. Um, it's I don't know. I I, I don't think I, I wrote a specific notation about it, but I did really enjoy the complexity of Harry being frustrated with himself for wanting to hear his mom. Oh yeah, I like that. Okay, I really like that a lot. Um, mostly because like I think doesn't that lead him to his actual happiest memory? I don't. I haven't. We haven't read that far up to this point, but like I'm. I have this. I have this supposition or this that. I think. His, he is, I can't remember how it works, but he either has two happiest memories. One of being a baby with his parents or, and, or like seeing them in the, in the mirror of Erised for the first time. Or it's being with her, her, uh, Ron and Hermione. And I can't remember which one he actually finally like focuses on. But like if this was written really well, <laughs> my, my anticipation would be that this, all this buildup of this sort of like dark temptation of him wanting to hear his mother like because that's he's never heard that before mm-hmm. he's never heard her speak mm-hmm. and that desire and that fi- fulfillment and that that feeling of love and everything is the path through which he gets to his happiest memory and that would be really cool and i hope that's what happens but if it doesn't mm, wow i mean we'll have to wait and see i guess we'll have to wait and see i got 197 192 go for it it was just I wrote, yeah, yeah, Marauders, Matt Boohoo. <laughs> <laughs> so what does that mean? I think it was, by this point, you know who wrote the Marauders map. I do. Even though it wasn't focused on so much in the movie, I think you have enough things, enough to put it together. I, I know exactly who wrote the Marauders map. And I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember why I wrote it, or, or I can't articulate why I wrote that. Yeah, yeah, Marauders, Matt Boohoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, th- I think it was, in, it, I was mocking myself. I had anticipated how how wow it would be for you to get there, and then I got there, and I was like, oh, whatever. They, well, they don't really explain it. Oh, they like, will explain it. They do, it will but they be haven't explained. yet. They haven't. No, yet. they haven't yet. So, like, yeah, I mean, I think that was my. I think that was my impression or imagination of how you would react to that revelation. Oh no! Where I'd be like, wow, and you'd be like, yeah, whatever. No, no, I actually like. Oh god damn! I I really like the way the Marauders map is set up because it's it's uh it's fraternity. You know, it's this like. Uh, it's it's this interesting concept of how youthful youthful camaraderie doesn't have to die. Okay. And I really like that. I really like that they, in a sense, sort of imbue themselves into this piece of paper together. It sort of like takes a snapshot of them as they were at this moment before Peter Pettigrew became a, an evil person, before uh, Sirius Black, before the tragedy of Sirius Black, before the tragedy of James Potter, before sure. the arguably you know tragedy of of remus lupin like all these guys end up horrible like their lives totally fucked up and awful mm-hmm. but in this moment in this map it's, it's a like kernel of happiness it's a time machine sure that takes you back to when these guys were exuberant joyful young men enjoying each other's company and enjoying life mm-hmm. and how naive they were <laughs> Um, <laughs> almost stumbled over for a second there and just uh, fuck everything. <laughs> I'm going to write poetry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, but, so I like that a lot. It's it's poignant. You okay. know, it has this, uh, this, it has a lot of emotions and a lot of feels in there that, uh, we're, that we haven't even gotten to yet. Mm-hmm. Like, even the uh, revelation in, these, in this chapter about Sirius's friendship with Lupin. James. 
Oh, oh, oh! Yeah, you're right. It was James yeah. first. Yeah, James first. That, the Lupin stuff happens in the last chapter. You're right. You're right. Of this, of this Death Readers podcast, I, I like that. I kind of like the idea that Harry can't understand that something could go sour. Meanwhile, he's literally souring his relationship with Hermione in these exact chapters, like for something super petty. Right. Um. Again, it just goes. Which to, I do have a later note about, but yeah, sure. It just goes to speak to it, like, and again, a larger point I have about, like, I, I just get frustrated with Harry being a child. Mm-hmm. Um. Just because it's he—he he just seems seems like he tries to have his cake and eat it too. He wants to be—he—he he wants to be written like a character that's this heroic chosen one, but then at the same time, he also like wants to be written like he's a fallible everyday every guy, like every man. Mm-hmm. But I mean, come on, dude. Like, and when I say he wants—I mean, the character itself obviously objects. I'm trying to—I'm trying to anticipate angry comments. Um, the character himself does not want to be special. He just wants to have his family. He, he If he could ch- change everything, he would go back and not have his family fucking murdered right. and have a normal life. But what I mean by the character wants to be written is I mean, like, uh, when you when you write, like, fiction, sometimes this thing happens where uh, characters get a mind of their own. Sure. Like, they just start pulling in a direction because of the way the events that have occurred to them happen. Mm-hmm. And it feels very much like this character is doing that where he wants to be pulled in two different directions. As he Harry. A, no, not he Harry, but Harry the concept. Okay, okay, Harry okay. the Harry the intangible concept of of the lead character in this book, okay. the protagonist of this book. Gotcha. Is wants to be pulled in these directions, but like I'm just it's just frustrating because it's like, come on, dude, like pick a side. Like either be the like give up on being a hero. Or lean into it, right? And and it feels like I'm pretty sure that struggle is sort of at the core of most of these books. I think that's true. But it, it's weird to to read it and see it like as if it was as if it was being written in front of me, like and see like like watching an author go, make these decisions, go through the process, and, yeah, go through this process, and just be like, oh, I just it's just so agonizing. <laughs> like it's just so frustrating to watch that happen and and be like, oh, I can't. There's nothing you can do about it. But. uh why were we talking about that? Why did I have that random? You just got there from the Marauder's map. Oh, the map, right. And how so, it's a connection so, to the past. Right. So, like, he, I feel like I'm having pre experiences, like early experiences with the revelation of the Marauder's mask that will come probably in the next couple chapters, um, but ha- that Harry hasn't had yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would expect him to have the kind of reaction I had when he gets that information. But I think right now he's responding very much like he would. Like he does when he hears about who Sirius Black was in relation to his father, um, but like again, he's a kid who doesn't like he doesn't look at this and go, yeah, I, I don't really expect him to like just have an understanding of like you know future events or anything. But it would be nice for him just to, I, I don't know, it would be cool to have like a you know tangent where he looks at his friends and goes like Ron and Hermione. Do you think there's anything that could cause us to have a sort of rift like that? Like what do you, what what do you think it could be? Like, what if we all just sort of like practiced? Like what if we all thought about how we don't want this to happen to our friendship and like try to take a moment to say, let's all endeavor to, t- to like try to cool down if we get too hot and, and, and upset about something. And then immediately is like, you took my fucking broom away. <laughs> anyway, I think that would be, it, it's just, there's a, there's opportunity there. And it's honestly fine. These chapters were pretty fun. To yeah, read. You, you mentioned something. Like yeah. You said I, the story 200 pages in, yeah, the story t- finally starts. Yeah. 200 pages in the story, this book and book happens. Um, What's all this setup? It's, oh my God. It's Tolkienian backstory. It's like, it's like a giraffe. It's like, 
all neck. <laughs> She's like, get, get to the point. Um, I don't know. That neck meat's supposed to be pretty good. Probably really. Like, you boil it for a long time or throw it in the slow cooker or something. That's that's how I think about meat as being good. Is only after it's been boiled for a long like time. Like ribs. Not boiled them. Whatever. You pressure treat it. What My point is you cook them low and slow. That's what I'm saying. You are too accomplished of a chef to just sit here and wax idiotic about food. I'm saying giraffe neck meat is where it's at. <laughs> it's spotted. <laughs> are you eating the skin now? No, the meat's spotted too. No, it's no. Have Rob, you ever had giraffe meat? Have you ever had giraffe meat? I've seen giraffe meat. God damn it! What? I didn't. We're all, I, I, we're I all pink on the inside, or red, or bloody. Chickens are. Chickens are red. Pigs are. Pigs are red. The, the meat's white. One ninety-seven. One ninety-seven is where I'm at. Okay, me too. Um, um, go ahead. I'm. Uh, is mine's not important? So oh, I'm mine's gonna, not important either. Okay, I'm gonna take mine first because it's least important. One ninety-seven. Okay. Do, do you know? Do you know Dudley's fat? Do you know that? I don't, hold on. I don't know if you know. Dudley, he's fat. And I feel like it's really important to keep bringing that up maybe every 30 pages or so. Yeah. Like, just, really, just slide it in like a pork sausage down Dudley's fucking throat. You know, just just really toss it down there like a cupcake in his, in his maw. Yeah. You know, whatever it needs to be to emphasize that he's a fat fuck <laughs> is, is, is not to be missed. We can't miss that opportunity. He's a big boy. Old Fat Dudley. <laughs> like, old, old Fat, fat Dudley. Dudley. You know, oh, always good for a laugh, that fucking imbecile. Like, hey, we can't go to a sweet shop where everyone's having a good time without being like, I have a fat cousin. <laughs> I have a fat piece of shit cousin. Hey, you kid in the back I don't know who lives here because you just live in Hogsmeade. My cousin's fat. Fuck that. <laughs> like, it's just, it's that, okay. In case that just seemed like me going crazy. That's how I read every time she says something like, Harry thought about Dudley's fat piggy face. <laughs> is it's just like, why the fuck does that have to be here still? Like, Dudley isn't even in this book and like for a for hundred pages or more already. Uh, maybe it's character building for Harry. Like, maybe he's just Harry. a fucking dick? Yeah. I know. Maybe she, well, I got that in the first book. <laughs> maybe she's intimating that there's some little lingering presence of Voldemort in Harry that's making him go, you know, the world should be separated into us beautiful people and those fat slobs. Yeah, and we can murder the slobs. Yeah. Slaughter them like pigs. Yeah. yeah. Stick them with knives to yes. see how fat, how deep their fat goes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't so think so. So it's on purpose. So. <laughs> She's not against fat people. I think it's the. I think it's this one. I think it's that she doesn't like fat people. Yeah? Yeah. Oh. I think it's that she... I mean, I, 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 it's, it, it occurred to me somewhere else, and I don't think I wrote it down, but there's, because let's see, I, I, our conversation again came up while I was reading these about good fat people mm -hmm. in these books. Yeah, I was and just about to ask that again. There's later on, book six, one person who's fat, who's not bad. Okay. And the only other person I could think of is the fat lady. Portrait, she's a fucking portrait. Who's defined by her fatness yes. in the end. Yeah, that's in her name. The fat lady. Right. We're done. Right. Does she have an actual real name? Is it Gladys? I don't know. I'm, I don't, it wasn't a trick question. I'm saying like, I feel is like. Is it Elizabeth? I don't know it either. It doesn't matter. She's is what, the fat lady. What JK's telling us is it doesn't matter. She is defined solely by her. Physical girth. appearance. Yes. Yeah. The only other people I can think of that have even like, 
not thin physiques, at least in the films, is Hagrid, and he's literally half giant. Right. So like, she has an out there. Crab um, and Goyle. Crab, maybe. They're bad guys though. Right. Like, right. No, I know, yeah, I'm, yeah. Just, I'm just only yeah, trying yeah. to find size and then look, everyone look at their character because that's clearly right. what's important. Right. I mean, Mad Eye isn't thin, but he's like, I don't know if he's described as fat in the books. And we haven't got there yet, but there are people who, like you said, like Mad Eye, um, there are other characters who are described as more round, rotund, squat in the books that are not cast that way. So you haven't even. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. My next note is 203. What was oh, your, right, what was right, your yeah. 187? Um, just, just very rolled doll. And you can't. It just seemed oh, like yeah. you're like yes. she was heavily influenced. Yeah, this is I mean, like she, she's liked sweets before, which is another interesting thing. She really has a sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. She um, probably has great metabolism, skinny bitch. Wow, but she definitely this fucking chocolate to fight dementors. Thin privilege all over the place is what I'm saying. She gets to like talk out her fucking ass as much as she wants about how great these sweets are. Mm-hmm. She describes them in great deal. She literally... She loves them. She loves them. She literally has Harry buy Ron's friendship early on. Yep. As we've established in this podcast with uh, buying the entire candy cart. Mm-hmm. They go to sweet shops all the time. Have some chocolate fries, you ginger bitch. fucking butterbeer. Yeah. Uh, just like... As, like in, in every feast that they have in the Great Hall... They, the, the, they, drinks. The, the drinks. I, we're not there yet. Are we there yet? I don't we know. Are th- Yes, we are. Sorry. The drinks in the hog's head, like every one of them was overly sweet. That the, yeah. the, the grown-ups ordered. Right. I don't know what gilly water is, but it sounds sweet. Well, I only It sounds like vermouth. Gilly weed is the only other time I ever think about hearing gilly. Sure. So I'm imagining it's related to that. I was imagining it's just like tonic water. I, I, I feel like, it, like, like, a, like it's a sweet vermouth kind of thing. Okay. But Flitwick straight up gets cherry syrup right. and ice. Right. Um, even... Uh, Fudge's rum is red currant rum, and Hagrid's ordering. He doesn't order ale; he orders mead, and mead is Honey. fucking so sweet. Like yeah. it's too sweet. Yeah. I can't really handle mead anymore because it's just like syrup. Right. Um, all those things, just everything, is sweet. Yeah. And yet, no fat it's, people. It's almost like, what's the word? Um, what's that word when you have like? It's not like a phobia, but it's like that kind of like special term. But it's like a the opposite of a phobia. Um, it's like it's like a. It's like a fixation, but there's like a better word for it. Um, it also starts with a P, I think. I think it does too. File, like a sexophile. No, it's it's more like. A... Or a sweetophile. Those I was... are all technical terms. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking more about like the, uh, pathological. Oh. It's almost pathological, okay. like how much she fixates on on describing these things. So it makes me either wonder, is <laughs> this is not nice territory, is J.K. bulimic? <laughs> Or anorexic, and is this like, is this part of her coping with like not wanting to be fat and her fat phobia, of like, deciding that she's going to like, take all the energy that she wants to be used to be eating sweets and put it into just writing about them and sure. like really like writing food porn about like, oh, just, oh, just, <laughs> the butterbeer is so warm, it's oh, just all over your face, I love it, and then like. Or like, oh, I want to get some of those chocolate cockroaches or whatever the fuck they were. Um, but then like when she goes home, she like has a bowl of jelly beans or something that she looks at and she just sneers. And she just like smacks herself every time she looks at it. She's like, no, you can't have it. You must be thin and beautiful. It's a good question. That's, that's, the, that's the JK Rowling, I imagine, is the one that tortures herself. Wow. Incredibly. Want that chocolate cake? Self-crucio. You know what you can't buy with all the money you made from your children's book? B 
beauty. Take that, chocolate frogs. I'm a princess! I don't know why, to me, she... I don't know. Something about her seems... Nothing tastes as good as being rich feels. Yeah, exactly. Holy shit, exactly that. Yeah. That's how it feels, man. Okay. I just... I don't know why, but, like, I know that there's just something about her that comes off sinister. Interesting. I don't know what it is, but there's something... I had not... Okay. Maybe it's... You know what it might be? Yeah. It might be the spark of imagination. It might be being able to see in a person that when they are... You know how, like, in Jurassic Park... They, sorry, <laughs> everyone. Sorry. You know how, like, in Jurassic Park, when they're talking about the raptors, and they're like, you know, like, uh, she remembers. You know the part where, where uh, they're talking about how they, like, they test the, they test the, the fence to right, see right, where right, the weaknesses right. are, and then they remember the weaknesses, right. and they can go back. She seems like the kind of person who, when you, when she's... She talking, killed all the two of the other ones. Yeah, when she's talking to people, there uh, she is sort of like imagining, like just oh, so this is what happens to you, like or like oh, these are your weaknesses, and I can see them so clearly. And then she just sort of sits in it and like just sort of bathes in that realization of understanding how much better she is than other people. And she just in that. And that's when J.K. Rowling attacks. Not from yeah, the front. Not from the front, but from the sides. <laughs> the two other observations you didn't even know were coming. Nice. It's way better than the two other J.K. Rowlings in the bushes. That wasn't my thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm definitely imagining her being a kind of person that just sort of sits there in superiority while, uh, while you know, imbeciles like us talk around her. And she just goes, yeah, fools. <laughs> I'll take another lobster on the terrace, but then like doesn't eat it, just okay, stares okay. at it, pours butter all over it, just over and over and over again, and then like kicks it off like into the dirt. <laughs> take pot shots with her BB gun at the stray dogs who try to eat it. Wow. No, not for you either. Wow. I know what you are. You're the Grim. Sorry, I don't know where I am. noise, but it's not impressive with a BB gun. <laughs> tink tink. <laughs> Um, 188. I have two. Ironically, uh, Harry the sociopath. Note. 188? 198. Okay, yeah, yeah. Harry the sociopath? It was stupid of <laughs> Harry. Okay. I like where this is going. <laughs> it was knowing everything he knows up until this point. Yeah. It is incredibly dumb of Harry to brag about the Marauder's Map to Hermione. Oh. Unless he couldn't help it. Unless he had to brag. No, I don't unless know if it was, I agree like, pathological. with you. She, okay, she hasn't done the fireball yet, but she is. I mean, I feel like there let's was, take there's something else. Back okay, to when Hermione mm-hmm. was the one pushing and breaking all the rules to get into things in the last couple of books. I forget which exactly moment that was. That, well, there's certainly the making of the potion. Yeah, well, there's the making of the potion, and then there's the 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 uh, plotting of getting into uh, Snape's cabinets. Okay, but there's a moment where Ron says something like out of like sort of surprise but like I can't believe she's doing this like I can't believe Hermione is the one like leading the charge of breaking right. the rules right uh, I think it's book one or it must must be book two but she gets petrified in book two so it must have been early either way I don't remember when this moment happens but I remember like that she shows signs of being like you know a little more mischievous than her out she would outwardly pro- outwardly project um if you give her reasons for it, she will absolutely break the rules. So I feel like Harry might have that sort of trust there to be oh, able okay. to mention it to her and just be like, 
you know, she's one of, she's she's just as much of an equal part of the group as Ron and, and Harry. Mm -hmm. And I know that, like, it does, especially in these chapters, sometimes kind of feel like that's not true. But I feel like it's, I like to think it's true. I'd, I'd like that to be the case. Um, and so I'd like to think that Harry did treat her like that, you know, like, like fucking equals, as opposed to him being the asshole that he is. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't, so you're saying like, but she didn't do anything to take away the map. Like he still has it. So like, why do you think he told her? Well, right. Is it because they're friends or just because he had to brag about this power, he, this new power he had over the school and smarter than the teachers? I do have a follow-up mm -hmm. almost immediately. 199. Um, are you going to report me? Harry asked her, grinning. And all I wrote was, fuck you, you cocky shit. Because he knows. Now this is, he, yeah. He's like, you're not going to tell, are you? So this is my question. Okay. Is that the first time you thought that while reading this? Yes. <laughs> I, think, I do remember that line never quite sitting well with me because I never liked it. It was just yeah. like, I know you. Yeah. But this is, this is the first time it was quite, yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the Death Readers effect. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly coming around, understanding how horrible Harry Potter is uh, but again, as a character. As we may have touched upon, it might not be his fault. It might yeah, be lingering. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I know you're right. What I'm saying is, that's like being like, oh no, I can't help murdering people. It's in my nature. <laughs> uh, sorry, you're still going to go to prison. You did it. Bird's gotta fly. Yeah, bird's gotta fly. Bees gotta sting. <laughs> I gotta kill everything I see. <laughs> I like the Louis Armstrong twist, though. <laughs> Sorry, it's not good. I don't do good impressions. Anyway, um, it's not bad. I'm, say, got... I'm on to the chapter. No, I'm the not. Firebolt. I'm not on the next chapter. Okay. Question here. Okay. Page two hundred three. Two hundred three. Uh, Fudge says he met with some of the Dementors, and yes. that they're in a. Fury against Dumbledore. Yes. So what does that mean? I agree. Well, the 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 guards say he's been talking in his sleep. Fudge has. No, the Fudge or Arthur Weasley. Somebody said earlier that, that about Sirius Black. The guards say he's oh. been talking in his sleep. He's at he's at Hogwarts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, sorry. Sirius Black is at Hogwarts sleeping. When Sirius Black was in prison. Yes. Somebody. Overheard him saying he's at Hogwarts. Oh, he's at Hogwarts. Yes, he yes, was yes, talking yes. in his sleep. Right. The guards say he's been talking in his sleep. The guards Got say. It. Got it. Can they talk? The guards. So the guards are more than just the Dementors. Yes. Why would they say guards and not Dementors? They were leading up to it. Okay. Because because uh, earlier in the night bus, um, Ernie says, uh, "Talk about something else, Stan." The Azkaban guards give me the collie wobbles. Yeah. So again, yeah. they, they haven't. She 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 likes to reveal. Yeah. She doesn't want to know. Like, he's, she doesn't want you to know that they're the Dementors until right. they're on the train you see it. But again, like, it does imply that they have sort of consciousness. Right. Or what kind of entities Sentience, are these? Com, uh, they can talk. Right. They have feelings. <laughs> like, I mean, besides just being, like, wanting to suck your joy in. I mean, a lot of, of this, I, I imagine Dementors being, you know, physically manifesting their feelings. They're, because doesn't Hagrid talk about them not wanting to let him go? So they become agitated. You can you can read their yeah. body language, but like, but clearly there's sounds, some kind of talking happening. It sounds like actual like formal verbal communication right. has happened. Like I think the line in the book says that he spoke to them or talked yeah. to them or something like that. Yeah, it's, absolutely. And we know that they have mouths because in this chapter it's revealed that they give you a kiss, mm -hmm. which sounds. I mean, I get the metaphor here, but I'm I'm 
like I get the metaphor of this being just a long discussion about being depressed. Sure. About like what, like Absolutely. When, you, when you, when you, when depression wins, you lose your soul and you just become a husk that exists and it's worse than death because what are you doing? Sure. I get that. But like, as a person who likes the mechanics of the reality of this world, it bothers me that like, that is somehow these creatures are employed. I, I it just, it just seems so reckless. <laughs> I think they're employed by they get to eat those feelings. So it's just like we're letting you be so around another people. fat shame issue. <laughs> wow. Holy shit, that is. Do you even I even okay, yeah. Um I think it's more I think it's her closet anorexia coming through. Okay. Um okay, yeah. Um which is often tied to depression. And how um, do you fix it? Chocolate. Sorry. Holy was... shit. <laughs> Where was I? I, I can't Remember, oh, I, <laughs> I did bring this up on Reddit. Oh, okay. And I just just to see what people thought about that. And some posited that they always thought there was some sort of wizard administration at the prison and they did the communicating. Mm. But there, there's enough here to make me think the Dementors are communicating more than just swooping on you, eating your happiness. Right. And how is that done? Because that's never addressed. Yeah. I don't know, man. I wish it was addressed. I mean, even even things like how do they feed the people? Who, there's got to be someone working at Azkaban that takes care of the ins and outs of daily biological functions of sure. the prisoners. Like, they have to make waste. Mm-hmm. They have to eat. I don't see a Dementor with a mop. I don't see a Dementor with a fucking food tray I either. like the idea of a Dementor with a, with a, with a dustpan. Yeah, that's it's amusing funny. to me, but... I, I don't see it happening. No. I, I We're all dust in the wind. <laughs> Whoa. They just, <laughs> they just listen to sad rock. Yeah. <laughs> that's that, that's why everyone hates them so life, much. Man. It's, they're, it's not because they, like, they don't like really physically torture you. Just being around them feels like they're <laughs> sucking you dry of all your happiness. Like, oh, we fucking get it, dude. We fucking get it. Shut up. Oh, Blue Easter Cult sucks. Sketched out my tattoo on my arm. My, I've got a heart with a knife through it. It just says "Mom" with a question mark. <laughs> Are they blood drops or tear drops? You don't know. <laughs> yeah. Fucking dementors. <laughs> fucking dementors. Dementors are just that shitty coworker that you're just like, God, won't that guy fucking leave? <laughs> this is gonna get really personal there for a second. <laughs> We get it, you fucking love Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I think you mean your coworker. No, oh, former. Sure, sure, sure. I just bleep it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I am done. I'm on to chapter 11. Okay. The Firebolt. Um, Firebolt, just for the heck of it, because we talked about it before, I think maybe when we were reading Chamber of Secrets or watching the Chamber of Secrets film. Okay. Commentary, soonly, soonly, available. Soonly. <laughs> soonly. <laughs> available on Patreon. Uh, the school governors, I looked it up, and they're exactly what you think. Okay. Uh, they give a strong vision, ethos, and and student direction. Uh, they hold the headmaster to account for educational pre-promenage. Whoa. I, I, my writing got really tiny. Okay. <laughs> and um, overseeing financial performance? performance. Okay. Well, it could be educational performances also, um, but that's what that's what they do. It's like a... Okay. a a quorum. Yeah, yeah. That I think school boards. It's it sounds. Yeah. It's what it sounds like a school board. Yeah, but I'm sure it's you know elected officials and yeah. and, and and prominent. 
I'm Lucius also, Malfoy's who, I'm, who just want that extra prestige. I would also put money on it being a much more of a, a traditional boarding school thing. Like the, that totally like makes the sense. School boards, the school board quote mm -hmm. of a boarding school is actually a board of governors. Okay. Who have it in their best interest to oversee the mm -hmm. goings on of this like institution. Because it's going to need more oversight because the kids are there overnight. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. That's my guess. And again, I haven't done any research, and I've never, I've never experienced a boarding school or any capacity. But my guess is that that's why, just you know, sure, frog DNAing it. But here at Death Readers, we like to go the extra mile and do a minute or two of research. Wikipedia. Yeah. I mean, it's Wikipedia. Uh, Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Absolutely, because it was that first italicized little bit. It was quickly <laughs> done. I'm an expert now. Sources cited. <laughs> Mischief managed. Mischief managed. Yeah. I uh, I'm not till two twenty eight. I've got just like, two eighteen. Go just, for it. I just like Hagrid. I just like sad Hagrid. With his fucking I, I, just, I love no, not that, but I just love Hagrid is all that, the time. Is that when he's bellowing drunkly? Yes, this is okay. when he's, he's he's just sobbing about like how uh, Buckbeak's he, he's Buckbeak's gonna go on trial and all this. Oh, stuff I was thinking there. I was in the three broom six. Sorry. Oh no no no! That's this is happened, that's the last it. chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's how when the last chapter ends. Well, then quickly touching on that. Yeah, yeah Answered some of your serious black questions from book one. Which questions? About him borrowing the bike. It, that I was correct, at least. Or that that was how that happened, right? Yeah, kind of, yeah. 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 Um, Just that's been fleshed out now. Yes. Um, but sorry, you were, you were talking about Buck. No, we didn't talk about that conversation, though, in the, in the bar. Um, one, uh, Mrs. The, the barmaid, what's her name? Miss uh, Madame Rosemurta. Madame Rosemurta. Yeah. She sounds hot. She does sound... <laughs> she sounds her name sounds hot. curvy. Does oh, yeah. Not? Well, they say the word curvy. To well, I know, her. but just Rosemurta. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ooh, ooh. Uh, I guess there's not a lot of hotties in this book now that I'm thinking about it, and uh, I think we just found our first one. <laughs> um, yeah, there's some definitely there's definitely a hottie in the next book. Nice. Um, but yeah, next book's Goblet of Fire. Yeah. All right. Um, trust, trust you, trust old Rob. Okay. Trust old Rob. Okay. Um, it's not, not like a half giant woman, is it? That you're thinking of? No. All right. Um, but anyway, yeah, like I like I liked that. I liked that Ron was like flush, like ooh, a, a what a woman. Just because we're 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 riding this okay. anorexic depression yes, yes. fat shaming bandwagon, yes. I want to talk about the hotties in the next book do have some interesting writing as well. Oh, interesting! Yeah. I cannot wait. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that that conversation, that revelation is interesting. I do think it's kind of problematic that the Minister of Magic is just telling everybody about probably state secrets. Well, I mean, he's got some drinks. He's got a Kirby. He's got lady. Madame Rosemary exactly where I was going. He invites her to drink. He's like, I he will does. buy you a drink. She's like, done. How many how many free drinks does she get? All of them. She works there. She probably lives there. Yeah, it's her place, right? Mm -hmm. She doesn't she talk about refer like referencing Sirius Black and and James Potter coming in twenty or twenty some years ago? Have we talked about? Just conceptually having kids come into the bar. No, thirteen-year-old. I mean, I know. I the don't think it's a real bar. Probably, well, it's a pub. It's a. It's, it's an a, eatery. It's. I don't know. You also think about England. What's the legal drinking age in England? It's not thirteen. It's like fifteen. It's not thirteen. It's not thirteen, but it's not twenty-one. It it just seems odd to me. Uh, I grown think that's... are having grown-up conversations over grown-up drinks with the thirteen-year-olds at the next table. Well, they don't see them there. They don't see them, but they know that they're allowed. They do know that they're allowed. Um, but I think that that's just the... I don't see that as being odd. I think that it is unfortunately just sort of Western, you know, sensibilities bleeding into it and being like American sensibilities, let me say. Like being like, oh, they... You're saying I'm a prude. I'm saying you're... Uh, 
perspective comes from your environment. Well, aren't you worldly? Not really. I just, you've definitely been to more of the world than I have. You're just so much better than me in every way. And I just, <laughs> I think that you just gotta, you know, just appreciate that when it comes JK around. JK rolling me. Anyways, we're in the next chapter of the fire bolts. <laughs> well, we didn't, we didn't, I mean, is there anything to really talk about about that conversation, though, besides that, like, um, there was some stuff answered. I was grateful for that. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I'm we're just, I'm heard about poor Peter Pettigrew. A little bit. Yeah, that was interesting. I liked hearing the, 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 the incorrect truth about, you know, him. I, since, since he's not yet an Revealed? established character, right. right. Um, we'll, we'll table that because there's, there's definitely some exploration of Pettigrew I'd like to do. Okay. But we can do that later. Yeah. Um, I, I like that, that conversation. Again, it makes me feel like though that Fudge is not the best fucking minister. No. He just seems, he seems kind of like, he's not like witless or hapless, mm -hmm. but he's definitely like careless. Yeah. No, he's not the best yeah. minister. Um, so then back to Hagrid talking and crying and I really liked that moment. I liked that Buckbeat's in the cabin with him because you talk about like a thing that's the size of a horse just right. like in the tiny cabin that right. Hagrid has. Well, it's and maybe then, big enough for Hagrid but and still then nobody it's sees it. a lot of room. Like, <laughs> but like the kids don't even see him until he's just like, oh, he's chewing on something that's bleeding. <laughs> like, right. I they think they're like red, oozing red as I think that's how it's described in the book. <laughs> yeah, I, I just like Hagrid a lot. I really like though that I, I again, I don't know I don't feel like his his motivations were really fleshed out too much there, but I like that Harry decided to go have a words with Hagrid about like how come you didn't tell me like you know mm -hmm. you know um, what's the thing is like uh, you you told me you know that you told me uh, Darth Vader killed my father. Oh, from a certain point of view, right? <laughs> it's how I feel, I feel like that's the conversation he was going to walk in there and have. And then Hagrid's like crying into his soup, and and Harry's like pathetic. <laughs> 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 Besting you here in a in a battle of wits would would be of no gratification, pig. And then like just moves on. <laughs> wow, that's how it felt. Okay, um, but. I like that Harry walked in with that intention of being like a real dick, just being like, I'm going to throw my weight around. I'm a tough little boy. And then, like, and then comes in and he's like, I'm not a tough boy. Shooks. And then like just walks off. I like that a lot. I thought that was funny. I don't think it's supposed to be funny, but I thought it was funny. Okay. Um, what did you have? 228. Not for a bit. All right. Well, unfortunately, okay, I have to apologize for everybody who's listening because this is going to get weird. Okay. All right. It's just going to get weird. Um, it's just gonna get weird. Sorry again. Sorry, sorry. When you get mad at me, Rob, don't get mad at me. Okay. Just know that I I forewarned you. I'm uh, I'm at this point in two twenty seven. It's the part where it's Christmas yeah, in the book. That's two twenty eight. So that's right. where I'm at. Um, and I just it just reminded me that how much I really love Christmas. I love Christmas. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I apologize for no, loving no, Christmas. Not, well. Christmas dinner, Christmas crackers, Christmas presents, Christmas, uh, Christmas. All, all the different Christmas feasts and different like Christmas sure. things and the the feeling of the snow oh, and the yeah. the cold and like cozying up with a hot cup of tea or cocoa and reading mince a good pies. book. Mince pies, we love mince, mince pies. pies. Oh I love God. mince pies. Or the the uh, you know all those different things yeah. and I uh, I'm with you. I just can't wait for Christmas this year. Sure, me neither. Um, Every year. And I just. <laughs> I wrote here in my notes. I hope Rob knows I'm going to be extra demanding this Christmas. <laughs> and then I wrote, maybe it was all the fun and excitement of going to Chicago together last year around Christmas time. But dare I say, 
it. I rather enjoy your friendship, Rob. Aww. Cheers. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't like, I'm like, what's he going to do? Is he going to insult my family? What? I'm sorry. That was sweet. I'm so sorry. Okay. I'll make you some mince pies, buddy. Thanks. Because, um, I mean, I was thinking about it. I was thinking that how, like, that when we went to the Chris Kindle, um, I always say it wrong. Right? I think I think you're saying it right. Chris Kindle. Um, we'll call it that, and our German listeners can... We don't us. have any German listeners yet. Let's what do you think they speak in Austria? Dude, I guess they're not German. They're not though. German. Oh, my goodness. I just goodness. insulted an entire people. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. If you know anybody in Germany who likes Harry Potter or the... German version of Harry Potter with which is Harry Potter. I had, but I I know that they have like the the Sorcerer's Stone would be called something. In uh, it doesn't matter. This, you don't know it. The Stein of Eisen. Whoa, is that real? Yeah, it's real. Yeah, that. If anybody who likes the Stein of Eisen. Yeah, just send them this podcast and tell them that they should listen to it because we don't have any listeners in Germany yet, and that'd be cool. Um, but when we went to the Chris Kindle in Chicago together, because we are. We are, dare I say, real friends. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks that we just do this because we're getting paid the big bucks. Some high, you know, pocket producer put us together. Like you boys, you got the spark. I gotta call my agent. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna get you out there on the road, on the, on the internet wavelengths and the high waves. We're gonna get you out there, mm-hmm. make the money. Mm-hmm. It's not that we just, <laughs> we like going to Chris Kendall. <laughs> So when we went to the Chris Kindle, it occurred to me that's the closest I'm probably ever have ever gotten to like a Hogsmeade. Yeah, okay. And that was kind of cool to like put it in that perspective of like, we well, you know when you're when it's all like that bustling. And I wish they'd made it a little bigger, <laughs> but it was Chicago, so right. whatever. Um, but like, it it was cool to have that like experience and be like, oh, that must be what it's like. Of course, I imagine in a real like legitimate tiny small Bavarian town, right? If you have a kind of market like that, it's gonna be you're gonna have more space, more distance to cover, sure, more atmosphere, but. Um, it helped is what I'm getting at. It helped to sort of contextualize this, uh, the discussions in this chapter. Um, I don't know if I have anything else in this chapter. Oh, oh, I've got something. Let's go for it. Let's get into it. Okay. And it's a big long note. I'm going to try to read through my handwriting here. Um, is Dumbledore drunk at dinner or is he just a button pusher? You got Snape in the hat. You got him sitting McGonagall next to Trelawney. He did that. He was like, let me draw you a chair right there next to McGonagall. Yeah. Play. Um, is the slit, and then that led me to the Slytherin fifth year because because they said all the um, who's at the table, right? It's just Harry, Ron, Hermione, right? A couple of like first years, the kid Derek who with the Chipolatas, and then the Slytherin fifth year who's sullen looking. I'm like, is he sullen because Dumbledore made him stay to ensure they could have thirteen at dinner, so Trelawney would go bug nuts and be like, "This when thirteen dying, and Dumbledore just he's fucking." He, he, I mean, we'll get, I'll get to McGonagall in a second, but I just, how much did he set up? Is he just doing this to fuck with people? He's just like, I know everyone's fucking, oh, vulture hat, Snape. <laughs> it's pretty, it, it's, it's definitely doesn't feel like it was, you know, happenstance. Right. That all of these things occurred together. I agree. I, uh, is, I, is Christmas time, Dumbledore's time to just fuck with people? I think it's, well, doesn't he kind of like goofy at the first, uh, sorting in the first book too? Yeah, I feel like there's a, an element of how she writes him when he's sort of on display, like he's like he's kind of like Robin Williams, like when you watch Robin Williams in like videos of him like in public or mm-hmm. like in your in your like entertaining an actual crowd mm-hmm. as opposed to a like on the set or something. He does this thing where he like just he just tries to like run the room, and like 
I feel like Dumbledore kind of does that. Like he has this sort of goofy star of the show sensibilities, but it's the kind of star of the show that feels a lot more like Peeves than I think you're supposed to feel like Dumbledore is. Mm -hmm. um, and it only happens when he's in these in the Great Hall and in big instances and in, in, in like when all eyes are on him. Yeah, because like when you have Harry's in his chambers talking about. Uh, fox or or whatever it's like he's a totally different guy mm -hmm. completely different wizard but like you get him in front of a group and he's like you know playing fucking spoons on his knee or some shit like he <laughs> <laughs> just he's gotta he's gotta have everyone's attention and he's gotta he's gotta play around it, it definitely feels that way so i would say yeah I, I would say it feels like he's manipulating those situations mm -hmm. to let all of this occur in this way I mean, I, like, as soon as I read the part about the cracker popping open a vulture head, I was like, that's bullshit. <laughs> like, I was just like, there's no fucking way that's a coincidence. Like, no, that, it's not coincidence. That was uh, absolutely on purpose. And, um, I mean, he tries to play it off like, well, I guess I'll wear it then. But he's yeah. just like, now Snape has to look at it. Right. It is weird that there's only this many people at Hogwarts, though, at this well, point. Well, I think a lot of it's serious Black. Being mm. at large, Dementors at school, come home. Everyone's going, almost right, come home. Right. Get away from it. It's not as happy this year. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, followed immediately by Tripe, Sybil, just some epic spite from McGonagall. Yeah. This McGonagall, everything, everything that Trollani says is just boom, volleyed right back in her face. And yeah. I, I like, I kind of like bitchy McGonagall. I, I feel like if I was going to eat that, uh, that Tripe, it, it wouldn't need any extra salt. <laughs> no, no, that, it that was, was, it was lovingly enough. salted. I, I agree. That felt a lot more like a, uh, that the, their interactions there felt like like it, i haven't watched it but i imagine it's all like how you would get sort of the pithy uh verbal repartee of downton abbey which i imagine happens where people are just sort of yeah. like cutting back and forth to each other um damn it that's a really good point you sound like disappointed i'm really disappointed why because it's exactly how the dowager countess talks and who's played by damn maggie smith Damn Maggie Smith, and I'm not a huge fan of Maggie Smith as McGonagall, but suddenly you find yourself feeling. No, like she I might, found that she you made a fit. good point against me. That, that I made a great. good point against me, <laughs> and I hate that because that's my fucking life. Every day, <laughs> I find myself laying traps for myself, and this podcast has become a lot deeper than I thought. <laughs> well, it cuts deep. That's what. What's in I have for that chapter? Takes that's what. You get for taking a week off. Um, the, uh, um, <laughs> I I really like that scene actually because it, it like it's one of those scenes where it puts Harry and Ron and Hermione in a situation that they are not often comfortable mm -hmm. in, which is almost a, a, like around other people. But okay, here's something that happens in these books that I find irritating, and I I promise I'll finish this thought. Okay, but most of the time. These books are written where Harry and Ron and Hermione are together, kind of like isolated. Like they are in this sort of like like sphere of safety or like uh, of perception, mm -hmm. where they really only see what they're doing and they just they you know dive headlong into it. And you're just on the adventure with them. Like it's like a roller coaster. Like you're on a you're on a car with them traveling down the path they've set, and you just go with it. Mm -hmm. That happens either when they're basically just by themselves or if they're in a crowd that's large enough to where they can disappear in it. But situations like this put them in a situation where they're around, they're outnumbered by individuals. 
So if, if you're following me here, what I'm saying is that this is a situation where they are outnumbered by people who have been identified, have personalities, have character, and have to interact with each other. They're, they don't work super great at the round table, mm -hmm. if you will. Okay. Like when you have 11 other knights who all have identities, histories, epics, like, and, and personalities, you're going to have to ha hold your own. They don't do well in those situations at this point. Mm -hmm. They do well when they're on their own having their own isolated adventures. Right. But so I like scenes like this where they're just sort of there like they're the kids at the kids table in this, in this okay, story yeah, yeah. in this moment where they just have to watch everybody and it happened twice in these chapters where they have to watch other people have adventure and or interaction have, or have and, interaction and, and personality yeah. and it, it sort of builds it helps more than most of the other stuff that's happening in these books build this world to make you really feel like you understand who these satellite characters are and seeing that like with uh someone like you know especially like Trelawney who gets so little play mm -hmm. in this book but is so funny and so like but in that weird sort of rolling way where she's funny, but everything she's talking about is death. <laughs> it's like it's like Moaning Myrtle again. Mm -hmm. It's like having another Moaning Myrtle where it's like everything this person says is telling everyone they're going to die. Right. Um, and and it's hilarious. And I really like McGonagall in, in that situation. But I here's what I wish, though. Okay. Because I think you brought this up, and I don't know if it's been discussed in the book yet, but Dumbledore's school of, of expertise is divination. Correct? No. No? What's his... Transfiguration. Transfiguration, which is turning into something? Yeah, like he's, he, he was the McGonagall of his day. What did he, he taught turn into? Oh, no. I mean, he that's just what he taught. Oh, what he taught you... how to turn something, in a, a rat into a cup? Sure, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I thought he was divination. Okay. I, don't, I still don't see him do that shit a lot. I feel like there's, no. there's not an awful lot of him doing magic that's sort of like... Like, I kind of wish I could see that at some point where it's just like you sort of see him be like uh, engaging in a hobby, I guess would be the best way to say it, mm -hmm. um, where you get to see like the guy who isn't the, the job, you know, like mm -hmm. his job is being headmaster, but he's a more, you know, rich character than that. He's right. got a lot more going on than just being the guy who runs the school. I'd like to see that. You kind of get a little bit of that with McGonagall and Trelawney. Like you see their like, their like resentment of each other mm -hmm. or like their competition or like just whatever it's and Dumbledore doesn't really get that at this yeah point. no he doesn't yeah he, he seems to be getting it a lot more in the last Fantastic Beast movie there's a lot more Dumbledore coming but not not till book seven the climax of the stories cut that the, out not can the climax where Dumbledore comes a lot as you said that I, sh I need to wait till book seven for that is his school of magic tantric? The next chapter <laughs> is the Patronus. <laughs> two thirty six is my first note. I have two thirty five. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so just so I think the next chapter starts with Harry and Ron getting up first from the the feast. Is that the start of the next chapter or the I'm end pretty of the sure it's okay. the start of the next because I think these are chapters I might be wrong it doesn't fucking matter okay. but like I'm pretty sure they end in really weird ways like where chapter 10 ends with the the dinner not being finished and chapter 11 starts with the dinner finishing Okay. and then I think chapter 11 ends with the, the in the middle of the, the Christmas dinner and then 13 or 12 starts at the end of it it's really strange this is the last chapter the Patronus that we're going to yeah read. that we've read and, and at the beginning of this chapter I think it picks up right at the end of the last chapter okay because um, I, I thought the last chapter ended with the firebolt being taken away which would be after dinner 
Maybe it did. Uh, either way. Either way. Um, I like that, I have here written in my notes that I, I really like Professor Trelawney now. I didn't like her to begin with, but I like her now probably because she's looking forward to Harry's death equally as much as I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, 236. Yeah. I like just a little uh, loop in character beat where he's, he's talking about how they're going to do this to train for the uh, Patronus and he's talking about the Bogart and he's like, I'll keep him, there's a cupboard under my desk I think he'll like. And I'm like, that's, yeah. that's sweet. That's sweet. That's a nice yeah. little looping moment. Yeah, I mean, it for a creature whose existence is entirely to be used to, to help people face their fears. Uh, it's it's kind of a sub-dementor, really. It, it feeds is. on your right. terror. Right. What if what if Bogarts and Dementors are like Pokemon and they just evolve? I was just, yeah, what if it grows, grows up to be a Dementor one day? What do they start as then? Because they got to have another one. They got to have a preform. What if, follow me, Okay. what if in descending order from final form to first form, it goes Dementor, Bogart, sadness? What if just being really sad itself can manifest an entity that moves into fear and sadness? That sounds sadness? completely plausible. A baby's first sadness? Oh, a baby's first cry. Because like, a baby's first laugh is a, yeah, is a fairy. Yeah, yeah, baby's, baby's first cry. But not a cry of pain. No, it's gonna be a cry, cry of sadness. sadness. Yeah. yeah, that's really depressing. Dark, fuck. <laughs> Album covers. And that's what we call the Dementors kiss. <laughs> <laughs> so metal. <laughs> um, my only note here is in two forty nine. I had two thirty eight. Harry wanted to hear his mom, but we already talked about we, that. Yeah, we did talk about that, and I think that it is probably. Do you have any anything else? Not on that specifically. What's your next note? Next note is two forty nine. Okay. That's also my notes. Well, I think it, 249 must be the end of the chapter. Pretty much. Um, well, I'll get 251 after that. Okay, well, not... is it about Lupin? Because I think we no. should talk about Lupin. Let's talk about Lupin. I feel like that there's this is one of those chapters where I really get your like interest in Lupin. Because he just is so selfless at this point. And he is like the little bit of the reveal here where it's like, oh, you knew my father? Oh, you must have known Sirius Black? And mm -hmm. like that sort of revelation. Again, I don't understand why they're all being so guarded about it. I don't know why all the teachers are being so guarded about sharing this information with the students. Um because in a yeah. sense, to me, it would be like, oh, that would make it less scary. If you tell me, you knew this guy. Right. What's he like? Right. Like, what did you think he was like? And then that would make it so like, oh, he's just a guy. Like, he's not really the boogeyman. He's not a boggart. He's not a dementor. He's just a guy. And I feel like that's something Lupin would do. Unfortunately, right. the story requires there to be some mystery about Lupin. Yeah. It, it, there needs to be, it's is he a guy or is he point, not? Because so far, we've had some shitty Defense Against the Dark Arts feature. Is he another one? In disguise, is he is he secretly a bad guy? Is he working against me? That's why they have to have him be a little bit more mysterious. Is Tonks much younger than Lupin? I don't know what you're talking about. Who? Sorry, I just just want just who Tonks? Just thought. Yeah, Hoopin. Um, Tonks. Recently, when we meet her, she recently became an or. So I'm going to say she's about. Eight or nine years younger than Lupin. That's not nothing. It's not nothing. Interesting. Yeah. Um, no, I, I really like the, the Dementor training. But, but how old is Lupin in dog years? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't expect that. Um, <laughs> the uh, I really like the, the sequences of Harry and, and Lupin training because it's like the first time you really kind of get a moment where 
Lupin and it's okay before it's important to say this. Sorry, I, 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 that's why I'm taking such a hard time to say. Sure. It. Um, before Sirius ends up filling this role, mm-hmm. Lupin's essentially the first real kind of father figure yeah. Harry gets. He's a more accessible Dumbledore. Yeah, he but like on but also on that level of like not just being like, oh, I'm teaching you things, I'm your instructor, but like, no, I'm I'm caring for you. Yeah. Like I I actually am protecting you. I'm helping you develop defenses against the dark arts of the world. And but more than just the class, like I'm taking special interest in making sure that you're okay because you are important to me, kind of thing. Sure. Like he's, something, he's like an uncle. Well well yeah, the but again, thing, like the kind yeah. of father figure because Harry just doesn't have one. He right. his father died and, and his uncle sucks. So See that's why I wouldn't even compare it to an uncle figure. Well, I was thinking like 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 a would be brother to James. Yes, yes, more like that. Yeah, uh, but obviously Sirius ends up coming in and doing way more of that. But it, I also I kind of like this idea that maybe you know Lupin and Sirius could have been like fun co-parents for Harry, in like uh, a fun way where it's like I I wonder why like in my whole life of thinking about Sirius Black, Lupin just doesn't get as much credit. And he, I'm just realizing after reading this chapter, like he really should get a lot more credit mm-hmm. for how much he worked with Harry and gave a shit about Harry. Um, so you know, good job, Lupin. Good job being the good guy. Yeah. Um, was that two forty eight you had? Two forty nine. Okay, that was what your that was your two forty nine. No, my my two forty nine is another point against Harry, uh, making up with Hermione now that he's got his way. Yeah, my 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 note too is like. So at this point, was just saying like, wait a minute. <laughs> at this point, they've literally described they get in a fight on Christmas dinner. Mm. Then, then in some point in the chapter, it's described that January f- like bled into February, and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, wait, they and then they and then they have their resolution. It's like so they were being a dick to her for a straight up calendar month. <laughs> like yeah. that's a long time to be an asshole to from somebody. Christmas too. It's from supposed Christmas. To be your happy... From Christmas, Harry. He's just such a shithead. Like, if it's fine, he's gonna get it back. It just prolonged right. it. Right. It's not like it was taken away forever. Such a brat. It's not like your parents, Harry. <laughs> and 251. <laughs> First the Nimbus, now Scabbers is no one safe. I don't think Scabbers is hurt. What? No, there's blood. The sheets were torn up. Cats eat mice or rats. It's, come on, Scabbers is gone. Yeah, that's sure, sure. Have they noticed that Scabbard is missing a finger yet? Yeah, yeah, we've seen, I think it's, it's, I think it's in the first book. Yeah. I do like that they keep saying, she keeps writing things like, oh, and the lady said this rats don't live longer than three years, but Scabbers is blue and blue. It's like, it's, it's mystery, but it's also. It's right there. It, it's enough to make you excited that you're like figuring it out. You're like, oh, could this be what it is? So I started watching uh, the Amazon series The Boys this weekend. Okay. And there's a couple instances where uh, characters explode to death, like they just get blown up. And they've they, never not exploded to death. Well, they get it. Well, you could have like you could be holding a firecracker in your hand and have your hand blow up. You're alive. So these characters just erupt into blood and visceral bits. Gross. But. It's very unrealistic. It, it's done the in a way. The effect is unrealistic. Well, or... the, the the yeah, the special effects of the result is unrealistic. Okay. There's both times. There's not there's not enough parts. Viscera. No, there's lots of blood, but that's the problem. Everything's everything's essentially liquefied. I think viscera is okay. It's liquefied. Okay. Right. So so like 
I'm saying like there should be more muscle mass and bones that remain after something yes, like that I, happens. Yes, I, I, not with the this toys, is, yeah. but this did occur to me too. Right, and so like when I've, I've been watching that and then reading this bit about the description of like, oh, he blew up and all that was left was a little finger. And it's like, no, that wouldn't happen. No. Like you, the kind of force and the kind of like effect that it would take to do that to a human body and then still have the same effect that was described on the, on the street would be, it would, there would be bits found. Possible counterpoint. Sure. Because it's, it's just occurring to me. He did blow up 13 other people. And mm. so then maybe they're saying the only recognizable bit that we could attribute to Peter was this finger. Yeah, I still maybe had like that. his his sick Dementor tattoo on it or. That's, we know where those that's are. A, that's, a, that's not a Dementor tattoo. I'm saying. That's a Death Reader tattoo. Oh. We um, should get Death Reader tattoos, not tattoos, but get a design. We should, we should redo a Death. We should have a graphic designer. Make a well, death if there reading. is such, if there's some kind of death mark, yeah, in the books, we have to read about that first. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, but I'm saying maybe he had some, maybe they have some wizarding equivalent of fingerprints, or maybe they have something they could attribute to him, and then he was just relying on all the other body pieces and body mass. Too. Or it's another example of really poor wizarding oversight. <laughs> or... I mean. Fudge did say he was first on the scene, so he we know that yeah, he was he involved. Fucked it up. Yeah, he, he fudged <laughs> it up. He fudged it up, indeed. I uh, all I really have left to say about this chapter is that uh, I'm glad there was very little to no real Quidditch. There's a lot of Quidditch talk, a lot of Firebolt talk. Firebolt seems cool. It makes me wonder about the uh, the actual functionality of a broom, though. Ah, because Harry talks about the how he wants to polish it but he it's like it doesn't need it and he wants to like trim the the uh the birch twigs sure. but like there's not one out of place sure. and it occurred to me like so is the broom like growing new twigs like and that's how they like like if a tree if you're talking about a tree if you're going to trim a tree it grows and you're like well I don't need this branch in this direction I got to snip it I got to trim it I like that uh or or like cuz like at a certain point you you ride your broom too much if it's not that if they're all just fixed twigs and it gets out of place, and instead of like just adjusting it, you clip it. You're gonna run out of like twigs at the end of the day. Some at some point. I feel like so. I did. This was talked about on Reddit as well, um, and it was introduced that brooms are kind of like wands in that they focus the ability of the wizard. That's why some people are better at it than others. And I think someone brought up then why are brooms different. But unlike wands, I mean, more care and attention can be put into the construction of the broom. So a broom with more spells and more refined components is going to be more expensive. That's why the firebolt's more expensive mm. than, say, a Nimbus or Clean Sweep or Comet 260 or Shooting Star or Silver. I forget what the Silver one was, but I was one of that one. Bullet. Anyways, not Silver Bullet. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like the idea that one of the spells put on the more expensive firebolt would be a self, a self care, a, 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 a twigging. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Twig, what, what is that? What they are? The twigs, the bristles. The... That's what he called them. Okay, or, or he called. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. That that it would that it would grow out to be aerodynamic. Yeah. All the time, self care, and that the broom servicing kit was just for your shittier brooms. Well, it's still needs to get polished at some point. I mean, imagine. He's going to get his grubby little, uh, you know, fingers all over it. Oh, he's going to polish his broom. 13-year-olds have been polishing his broom all the time. So there's a moment when Harry 
is unwrapping his broom yeah for christmas sure i think and there's a part where they talk about how he he was like he drew the curtains around his bed and it occurred to me i was like oh some one of these kids is jerking off <laughs> in there like with the curtains drawn sure and i was just like oh that's and i imagine the scenario where like let's say it's seamus sure and Ron and Harry just lying in their own bunks, like trying to pretend it's not happening. Like just sitting there with their eyes wide open, like staring at the ceiling, like, well, <laughs> whenever he finishes, I can go to sleep. But I can't go to sleep until then. Because <laughs> this, I, I can't believe this is happening. And I don't want to say anything because I don't want to make this more awkward. But if I just keep not thinking about it while monitoring it, Maybe I can get through this. I would like to think in a magic school, the drawing of the curtains would activate some sort of muffliato charm. I was I was thinking you were going to go with, much like they have like the anti-pooping spell, that they also have some sort of... No, I don't like that at all. <laughs> Along those lines, did I ever, <laughs> did I ever tell you about... Um, one summer, uh, we were having a house built, and so the kids in my family were farmed out to like live with friends here and there okay. while this was constructed. And I was staying with my friend, whose mom would she had this big rock of mineral that she had a she had like a uh, like a cheese grater or, or you know rasp whatever she would grate into the food. Mineral. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like was like, it, she like grated salt the, or something? Oh, it wasn't salt. It was Salt Peter. Pins, John? I don't know what that is. That's 1776. Okay. Um, salt Peter was famously given to uh, uh, prisoners in like Australia, like 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 you know colonial oh. penal colonies to reduce certain urges. Really? That. And I'm like, she's grating this thing. I'm like, what's that? Salt Peter. I'm like, that's weird, huh? And I told my mom about it, who was like, oh. You know what she's doing. I'm like, no, what? I'm like, well, she's got a teenage boy, and you were staying there, and 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 apparently, <laughs> I was. She was she was trying to curtail our normal ebullience. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like witchcraft. So it does. <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> so that just. I don't, I don't, I don't like the idea of there being that kind of spell in the dorm, man. Gotta let those things flow. Well, that's sort of what I was getting at. It was not that they don't, they stop you from pooping, or other things, <laughs> but they that they uh, automatically extract. Oh, ew, that's creepier. That's far, far more insidious. I don't like that at all. That's what I imagined the out poop out dough or the anti pooping spell would be too. Is not that they eat a lot. Like they're gonna make poop. It's got to go somewhere, even if they're not actually pooping. So there's got to be some sort of, like, apparition of shit. No, it just, it just keeps the owls from pooping, man. No. No, that's nope. the owls can let it rip as soon as they're out of the Great Hall. Nope. Because there's food you, in there. No. I'm telling you, the kids don't poop. They have restrooms, but they don't use them. Because they also have chamber pots. We've discussed this. Yes, we have. <laughs> I'm saying it's the same thing for other expellable fluids yeah but still uh, sure and great and there's no crusty wizard sleeves fine 
Did you forget what that means? Did you forget what a wizard sleeve is? God damn it. Pretty sure that's episode two. <laughs> I had forgotten. <laughs> I had. <laughs> but where was I? I know um, exactly where you were, and I don't want to say it. I was just saying, I was just talking about the muffling of the bed springs. Muff? Oh, come on. <laughs> I will not. I think that's what got us into this mess. Well, those horrible notes. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so, yes, um, uh, I think there's a spell <laughs> that does away with it, is what I'm hoping for. <sighs> you got yourself into this mess. No, I didn't. You did too. The spell gets rid of it. Something that muffles, you were saying. That was Death Readers. <laughs> so you just don't want to go deeper down that rabbit no. hole? Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't have anything else, I guess. Um, let me see. Pretty sure I, I don't have anything. You, you had a page count for next time? No, that's not important. Um, oh, no Malfoy in this, these chapters. Just thought that was interesting. Oh, that is there's, interesting. There's, yeah. there's a little bit of reference to him, but he's not really there. So that sort of... The antagonist of that isn't around. I mean, I just, I really like Christmas and I really like Hagrid and these chapters had a lot of those. So yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, right. I think that's the end of it. Oh, I do want to say again, we do have some really quick thank yous uh, to uh, the places in the world where people are listening that we wanted to give a chance of a shout out to. Thank you to the listener or listeners in Spain. We hit Spain uh, recently this last week. Well, we still have, we got one listener again in the UK, not sure where in the UK, but I think we had somebody there from there before, but thanks for listening. Tell more people about us. We want to get more UK listeners. Uh, we have a couple people or maybe just one person listening in Croatia. That's cool. That's amazing. That's really cool. Um, and Austria. So we, we're hitting I, across the globe. I apologize for my horrible German. Yeah. Or um, Austrian. Or Austrian, I guess. I don't know. Also, I think we finally... Somebody in Michigan's listening hard, and I think that's new. Um, so whoever's listening in Michigan, thanks, man. You're, you must like us. Tell your friends. Absolutely. And I think that's it. Oregon, Washington, California, Texas, Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Alaska. Thanks for everybody who's listening. Um, that's been Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Podbean. These reviews might seem silly, but they actually help us out a lot. Check us out on Twitter, at RealDeathReader. If you want more Death Readers content, there's more available by joining Death Readers Patreon at www.patreon.com slash deathreaders. If you hate us and want to tell us how terrible we are, please send all hate mail comments to our Reddit account, you slash deathreaders. Um, just want to jump right into it? You feeling good? You feeling good? You need it. You need coffee or anything? You have your mate? Do you need like? It's not hot, so we should be pretty good. I'm good. All right. Because I'm gonna, go, I'm, gonna go, <laughs> I'm gonna get into it. You better be ready. You better. Be, okay. I, I don't. I, I don't know what's happening. But... I'm. What's happening is that I'm just making sure that you're. You're ready for me to to launch into it. Because when I launch into it, we're not gonna unlaunch. We're launch. We'll go for launch. Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. And this is episode Felt four. Like I didn't like that. <laughs> I didn't like that. I wasn't ready. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't have given you more. <laughs> couldn't have given you more prep time. You do. <laughs> we, we need to be accurate. Okay. The last episode was, was that was, wow, we are on like episode 16. Mm-hmm.
Is it? Which was the last one thick as a post? Mm-hmm. All right, episode 16. Glad I checked. I mean, everything's thick as a post to me. I, that doesn't sound good for you. It sounds like you have incredibly small features. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I live my life through a backwards peephole. You'll make that work, I'm sure. Sorry about that. Sorry to force you to fix it in post. And sorry for taking so long. In this episode. Which is still going. Despite you needing to leave. I accept. <laughs>